Greetings in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I would like to thank you tonight for joining us for our, for our breakthrough Wednesday night service. We're continuing in the study of the book of John. And we're going to just elaborate on John chapter 2 from verse 1 to 11. We're going to look at the, miracle, the first miracle that was recorded in the word of God. The very first miracle that John wrote that Jesus performed in the eyes of witnesses. And there was no prior miracle. So when I say the first miracle, it's not that he did miracles in secret or the miracle that um, was written in other religious books where Jesus made clay birds and, and breathed life into them and they flew away and all of that other things. John specifically writes this book of, of John or the Gospel of John and he says that this is Jesus' first miracle. So for 30 years, Jesus is in seclusion. Jesus is not known as the Christ. Jesus is not... Um, about doing miracles or doing anything he's just living a normal life we know that in the book of luke chapter 2 and verse 50 52 if i'm correct the bible says jesus grew in wisdom in stature and in favor with god and man this is after mary and joseph found jesus in the temple teaching and the bible says that jesus said unto mary and joseph i am about my father's business but the bible says that day jesus went home with his parents and he was obedient to them and this is important to understand in our text because as we read the the book of john chapter 2 we're gonna be enlightened in certain um, important points and um, understanding why jesus when the bible says jesus was obedient to his parents the bible is all aligned into one there's no discrepancies or there's nothing that is um that is um where writers were not aligned with one another. We know that 40 different authors wrote the Bible over 1,500 period, um, 500 year period. We know it was written about on three different continents, but yet the Bible is inspired by God. There is nothing that is out of order, nothing that is out of line. So when we look in this text, we, we come to understand that Jesus performs his first miracle. Miracles were called signs, but we're going to look at that a little later in the text. Why this is important in a time in which we are living right now is that we need to also believe in the miracle working God. We need to believe that God is still the God of miracles, that God still performs miracles. And we see that Jesus performs a miracle at a wedding, a wedding. It's so important and, and imperative to understand the context of the scripture. Look into this text today and um, look how Jesus does the first miracle at a wedding feast. This is Jesus' approval upon wedding, upon marriage. This is Jesus sanctifying marriage or sanctioning marriage and how important marriage is. And we see Jesus performs this miracle at the wedding. It could also mean that Jesus does his first miracle at the wedding and the last and the and the first time that we're all going to gather with Jesus in eternity, we're going to be at the, at the marriage feast of the Lamb. Hallelujah. When Jesus is coming to take his bride and we're going to be at the marriage feast of the Lamb, Hallelujah. Can somebody give glory to God? Because we are living in that time where we are expecting for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we need to believe that God is still the God of miracles. When we look at John chapter 2, we're going to title and we're going we're gonna to see that John chapter 2 is the beginning where Jesus manifests his glory. Jesus is manifesting his glory in the book of John chapter 2. The revelation of God's glory is important theme in the gospel. Jesus revealed God's glory in his person, in his works, and in his words. John recorded seven wonderful signs or miracles that openly declared the glory of God. And we 
the Bible also then says, we be Yaldi's glory. We be Yaldi's glory. When we look at John chapter 1, verse 14. I just want to go back there to John chapter 1, verse 14. The Bible says, and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we be Yaldi's glory, the glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. We beheld His glory. We did not behold it. We did not behold His glory with the eye or with the sense. We show Him as the carpenter. But we beheld His glory and we discerned Him spiritually. So we beheld the glory of God. So let's go to the book of John chapter 2. And we're going to begin this awesome lesson and understanding of John. What John saw and what John wrote about in the book of John. Hallelujah. The Bible says, and on the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. And his disciples was invited and his disciples to the wedding. And when the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, there is no wine. Jesus said to a woman, what do I have to do with you? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, just do it. Whatever he says to you, just do it. That's what Jesus said. Whatever he says to you, just do it. Let's under we need to underline that in our Bibles. Now there were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification, containing 20 or 30 gallons each. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. And they took it to him. And when the head waiter tasted the water which had now become wine and did not know where it came from but the servants who had drawn the water knew the head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him every man serves the good wine first and when man have drunk freely then that which is poorer you have kept the good wine until now this the beginning of his signs jesus did in Cana of galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him so we look at this the beginning of signs in Cana of Galilee the reason why the Bible would refer to this as Cana of Galilee is because Cana was a city in Galilee there was other Canas but this one is specifically in Galilee we need to look at Galilee when we look at Galilee on the map we look at Galilee and we see there's a few cities in Galilee. There's quite a few cities. Nazareth is in Galilee, Cana, Bethsaida, and there's a few others that is also part of the, the, the region of Galilee. Galilee is the place where Jesus grew up. He was not born in Galilee, but he grew up in Nazareth. Nazareth, which was a town in Galilee. So Galilee is, Nazareth was a part, a part of, of, of Cana, or sorry, Nazareth was a part of Galilee. So was Cana also a part of Galilee. So Cana was about a two, three day journey from Nazareth. Remember Nathaniel is from is from Cana. And so um, we're looking and we're going to zoom into Cana right now. We're looking at Jesus is at a wedding. He's at a wedding. The third day, the third day which the Bible refers to in the book of John chapter 2, the Bible says on, on the third day there was a wedding in Cana. So the third day means three days after the call of Nathaniel. And since that was the fourth day of the week recorded in John. The wedding took place on the seventh day 
on the seventh day throughout the gospel john makes it clear that jesus was on a divine schedule obeying the will of the father that was jesus assignment that was jesus that was what jesus came to do he came to fulfill the will of the father and nothing else nothing more nothing less that's what jesus came to do i believe that's an inspiration to many of us we are here when we become born again we change our agenda we change our timetable we change our lives our lives need to align with the will and the plan of god because wherever god then sends wherever god then instructs wherever god commissions god will back god will god will be there god will walk with us god will guide us and god will lead us hallelujah so jesus knew that he came for one purpose and that was to fulfill the purpose of god that's so throughout the gospel of john jesus will always be saying i do nothing without the father telling me what to do so jesus had heavenly downloads and i believe this downloads could have happened before he was sent, before he was in, uh, before he came into an incarnation, but that couldn't be possible. So I would possibly think every time Jesus went to pray with God, spend all evening praying because I mean after he prayed the 12 hours he came back and then he chose 12 apostles every time he prayed he came out of prayer he would then do miracles so I believe that in the times of prayer Jesus would have encounters or have um, direct fellowship with, with God and in those moments God would instruct Jesus what to do so we understand according to Jewish traditions it was required for a virgin to be married on a Wednesday while widows were married on a Thursday. Some scholars and some people said that the wedding that Jesus was invited to was the wedding of John. Why they said so is because Jesus' mother Mary was a big part of this wedding. And um, Jesus and Salome were possible cousins, which means Jesus and John cousins too, of family members. And John, Jesus loved John. So Jesus truly loved John. Hallelujah. When we look at this, particular day and event it was the seventh day of john's special week jesus would be expected to rest just as god rested on the seventh day but sin had interrupted god's sabbath rest and it was necessary for both the father and the son to work therefore jesus did many miracles on the Sabbath, but in this miracles there was a message. This message was that Jesus was declaring unto the world that I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Hallelujah. And we know that Jesus did specific miracles deliberately on the Sabbath to bring a message across. Therefore, we call this miracles in the book of John signs because these miracles had an interpretation behind it. Hallelujah. At this wedding, we see Jesus in three different roles. He is the guest. Then is the son and then is the host. So we first gonna start off with Jesus as the guest. We look at John chapter one, first John chapter two, verse one and two. And on the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and Jesus also was invited and his disciples to the wedding. Now I'm not sure what Jesus' disciples invited to, but the Bible says Jesus and his disciples. But um, he met his disciples all in that week. So I'm not sure why Jesus really invited because the wedding had to be maybe prepared long before the time. So in my eyes, I would think that the disciples were some great crashes. Amen. So he had five guys walking with him into a wedding. And it reminds me when we were younger, when we were invited to a, a, an event and we had this best friend, this bestie with us. We always wanted to be a part of everything. Our family even got to know the person because wherever we got, went, the person was also there. Wherever they went, we were there. And so we were continuously following one another into events. And this was one of those moments where Jesus was at this particular event it's amazing it is truly amazing that jesus is now part of this wedding event in cana 
of Galilee. Can somebody give God a praise in the name of Jesus Christ? Jesus being a part of this, of this, of this, um, of this very important occasion. And that was a great, great blessing to be a part of this, of this wonderful occasion. Jesus being a part of this wedding in Cana and invited guests. What does it show us about Jesus' character? That Jesus was different from John, John the Baptist. John was one who was just in the wilderness for the period of time. Some say it was six months. All that John was doing, John was just preaching the gospel. But Jesus was more a type of person that would go into social events. Hallelujah. Even though his enemies used this to, to practice or to accuse him. And we see this in Luke chapter 15 verse 1. Verse 1 and 2, where people would accuse him because he would attend certain events. And isn't that common today amongst us too? When we are people reaching out to the lost, and sometimes we find ourselves in places reaching people, people don't even know what your agenda or assignment is. I remember there were evangelistic things back in, in Johannesburg that would go into nightclubs. Now I could just imagine when they walked into nightclubs, how people would look at them and think they are there to come and party. But in the meantime, the agenda was not to party, the agenda was to reach souls. And so these people would be judged possibly. People just walked in that nightclub and walked out that night, they would not know why the people were there. And so we have this that Jesus was at, at functions and events. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Luke 15, verse 1 and 2, now all the tax gatherers and the sinners were coming near him to listen to him. And both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. So Jesus was this person that reached out to people. Our Lord entered into the normal experience of life and sanctified them by his presence. Wherever he came, he was in that place. He was there, but his presence sanctified an event hallelujah and so this wise couple by inviting jesus to their wedding was something amazing we need to get this as an example so he was accompanied by his mother and his six disciples perhaps it was the seven people that was with him hallelujah that caused this wedding feast to run out quicker than expected because they maybe didn't cater for the extra people we have reason to believe that jesus our our lord hallelujah's earthly family was not prosperous and so it's possibly that their friends were not prosperous because if they had lack or if they ran short, it mean, meant maybe that they were not really prosperous. Hallelujah. Perhaps the shortage of wine was related to a low budget feast where Jesus and his disciples were invited because Mary or maybe because of Nathaniel, because Nathaniel was from Ghana. Hallelujah. So there must have been some type of relations between the people. Our Lord was not yet well known. He had not performed no miracles before this event so he was not well known remember this is now his seventh day after he just has been baptized into jordan the announcement has been made this is the lamb of god jesus was now he received the holy spirit he was now full of full of the holy spirit full of power and now his ministry has begun and now people did not yet get to know him that well but we know and now understand that this is the beginning of him revealing his glory and therefore, our title of our message is the revealing of God's glory through His Son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So Jesus was, Mary, Jesus' mom was possibly in relationship to these people because she um, had some big role to play at this wedding. So Jesus was the guest. The next thing that we look at here is Jesus as the son. So since Jewish wedding feast lasted up to a week, it was necessary for the groom to have enough provision. For one thing, it would be embarrassing to run out of either food or wine. 
and a family guilty of such such a such a, a, a guilty of such an such a happening at an event or running short at a wedding would be would face embarrassment and possibly even according to to the day they would be fined so it would have been embarrassing it would have been an embarrassing um moment for this couple if they ran out it would be an embarrassing moment for the bridegroom if he did not could not supply sufficiently for his bride and so this moment was a moment where jesus needed to step in and how many times does miracles come through for us when we are at our lowest when we are facing moments when we are at our lowest when things have gone horrible horribly wrong when things are not going right we need god to act we need a miracle right now we need miracles for people to be healed right now we need miracles for people to be delivered right now we need miracles people need miracles people need miracles hallelujah and so if we invite the son of god to our wedding feast or we invite the son of god into our event into our lives we are assured of god performing miracles if we have faith in him but let's continue so the bible we look at this now and we understand from verse 3 to 5 as we continue reading from verse 3 to 5 and when the wine gave out the mother of jesus said to him they have no wine they have no wine sorry and jesus said to her woman what do i have to do with you my hour has not yet come and his mother said to the servants whatever he says to you just do it why did mary approach jesus about the problem did she actually expect him to do something special to meet the need those are questions that we need to ask us because these are important in this particular text certainly she knew who he was even though she did not declare this wonderful truth to others the bible says she always kept it in her heart she must have been very close to either the bride or the bridegroom to have such a personal concern for the success of this wedding or even to know the supply of the wine ran out Perhaps Mary was assisting in the preparation and serving of the meals. We do not actually know the role Mary played, but Mary did not tell Jesus what to do. She simply reported a problem to him. Hallelujah. She simply reported a problem to him. In the book of the book of, 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 of John chapter 11, verse 3, we see this way. The Bible says to us there, and we understand that how Jesus was on a divine timetable. Because we see that here Mary comes, well, here the news comes to Jesus about Lazarus being sick. Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. But Jesus tarished two days longer. Two days longer in the place where he was. And then they come back and they say, and Jesus now says, Lazarus is asleep. Jesus never used the word dead, but he said asleep. But because his disciples did not understand him and what he meant, he said plainly to them, Lazarus is dead. And we find this in the book of John 11, 3. Let's just read it. Just for context sake, just to understand where I am coming from. John 11, 3. The sister therefore sent to him saying, Lord, behold, the one whom you love is sick. And Jesus did not concern himself much with that. Jesus was not somebody that people could just change his agenda, his timetable, according to what he, what would please them. Jesus did not give himself to men. Jesus did not um, commit himself to nobody else's timetable. His timetable, the timetable of God was important in his life. And I believe that is what is to be led by the spirit when we are led by the spirit we do not allow emergencies to distract us or things to distract us we do not allow people people's people's needs to become a distraction unless god did not did, did not um, commission us or assign us to something so many of us get caught up in this life with the needs and the desires of people that we get distracted from the main things in life 
And if we get distracted all our life from the main thing, the very things that we would desire at old age would be, what is the thing that we desire? I mean, they ask a, a, a certain group of old people, what is the thing that you desire most if you could relive your life? They asked a group of people over the age of 90 this particular question. And most of the responses that came back was, that I would make the things that was important, important in my life. And that was one of the regrets they had. And here was Jesus not making that mistake. Jesus kept the important things, the important things. He was on a divine timetable. He knew maybe that he's only going to have a short period of time, which was three and a half years. So distractions was not something that could take Jesus off course. Jesus kept focus. Jesus kept to the timetable. And we see that when they come and they told Jesus the news that Lazarus is sick, Jesus tarried. And the Bible says Lazarus dies. And Jesus says, we need to go now. Our friend Lazarus is sleeping. And the Bible says the disciples response to Jesus, if he's sleeping, he's going to get well. Why should we go? And then Jesus says, no, Lazarus is dead. Then they said, okay, but if he's dead, we don't have to then go there. But Jesus says, we need to go because we're going to wake him up. And Thomas, one of those friends of yours that Sometimes there's a lot of doubts and fear could sometimes try to instill that into your heart, your associations. And the Bible says, Thomas says to Jesus, but they cannot, they try to kill us there. And the Bible says, Jesus says, but we're going to go. And Thomas says, okay, let's go. We're going to die today. <laughs> you know, I would, I, I think that is some, some comical event that took place in this moment in the book of John chapter 11. And Jesus goes, and we know what happens. This is one of the seven miracles recorded in the book of John where Jesus lay, raises Lazarus from the dead. But we're not going to get into Lazarus' story. This is just of how Jesus was, how Jesus stuck to his time table. Hallelujah. So Jesus replies, seems a little bit abrupt, even when he uses the words. Hallelujah. And he says to a woman. Now, woman back in those days was not something that was abrupt or rude. Woman was polite, a polite way to address his mom. Hallelujah. The statement merely meant, why are you getting me involved in this matter? He was making it clear to his mother that he was no longer under supervision. At this point in time, we look at the story and we understand that Joseph might have been dead. Joseph is no more around. The only time we hear about Joseph is at the time when they went to fetch Jesus in the temple. After this, we don't hear about Joseph anymore. So Joseph might have been dead by now. And here is him and Mary at this wedding. Mary is now making a request. But that you wanted Mary to know he's no longer under supervision, but from now on, he would be doing what the father wanted him to do. There had been a hint of this many a times in the word of God, hallelujah, that he was about his father's business, and so he wanted him to know that, hallelujah, he wanted him to know that, he wanted him to know that, that he was about his father's business. That he was now going to do what God has called him to do. He's no longer under Mary's instruction. When she came into the temple and fetched him in the book of Luke, he went with his parents because it wasn't yet his time to do what God wanted him to do. So at this time, he was now just seated in the temple as a 12-year-old boy, amazing the teachers of the day. But now the time came that he was no longer now going to follow her in this manner. He was now going to follow what God wanted him to do. So at this point, John now introduced one of the key elements that is recorded in this particular text. Jesus says, my hour has not yet come. So Jesus was saying that, listen here, I have a heavenly timetable that has been marked out by the Father for me. And I'm going to fulfill that right now. But my hour has not come. When we look at this word, my hour has not come. Hallelujah. 
we need to understand what jesus was using there were seven references made to this in the book of john and these seven references were made in this in this in this gospel this hour meant this awful hour the first is in our present passage in john 2 verse 4 the second is in john 7 verse 30 then they sought to take him but no man laid hands on him because his hour has not yet come the third time it was in john 8 verse 20 and no man laid hands on him for his hour has not yet come the fourth is in john 12 verse 23 and jesus answered them saying the hour is come that the son of man should be glorified the fifth is in john 12 verse 27 now is my soul troubled and what shall i say father save me from this hour for the for this cause came i into this world the sixth is in john 6 verse 32 behold the hour cometh yes is now come that you shall be scattered every man to his own and shall leave me alone and yet i am not alone because the father is with me and then the climax in the seventh time john 17 verse 1 these words spoke jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said father the hour is come glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee this hour was the hour of his humiliation his suffering and his death it was the hour of his suffering but why should jesus christ refer to this hour when mary was seeking to dictate to him hallelujah we're going to look into this because mary did not dictate to christ surely the answer is not for us to see in the text hallelujah we're going to look into this and we're going to understand this today that jesus now looks into this situation and this situation is now turned around mary's words now after mary asked jesus this she then just says to the servants hallelujah just do what he says just do what he tells you to do hallelujah so mary's words to the servants revealed that she was willing to let the son do whatever he pleased and that she trusted him to do what was right it would be wise for all of us to obey what she said it is but nothing that it was jesus not mary who took command and solved the problem and that mary pointed not to herself but to jesus we need to get that because in the manifold wisdom of god god put it in this way so that John could remember, because John writes this gospel about 90 years after Jesus' ascension, and John remembered it in this order, because it was very important for John to have written it in this particular way, because this would avert many problems. So when Jesus' mother said unto the servants, whatsoever they say, do it. This was something very marvelous and beautiful to look at. Mary's humble reply to Jesus accepted the Lord's rebuke. This humble reply showed that she accepted the Lord's rebuke. Hallelujah. She recognized his right to act as he pleased and left the matter entirely in his hands. There's important and much neglected lesson for us in this particular response. How often or prone are we to dictate to God? How often are we disposed to tell him what to do and when to do it? This is only another evidence of this, of this, of this wickedness of our self-will that still operates in the hearts of every believer unless divine grace subdues this. Our plain duty is to commit our way unto the Lord and then let leave him to supply our need in his good time and manner. That is a lesson to us. We commit, the Bible says, commit your plans unto the Lord and your thoughts shall be established. Another important insight in this particular scripture that we need to look at, with prophetic foresight, 
Jesus anticipated the horrible idolatry which was to be ascribed or the divine honors to Mary. He knew that in centuries which were to follow, man would entitle her the queen of angels and the mother of God. Hence, he refused to use the term which would in any wise, which, which would otherwise um, fuel this monstrous system of Mariolatry. Christ would here teach us that Mary was only a woman. And we see this in the book of Luke chapter 1 verse 28. The Bible says, blessed are you Mary among women. Not blessed are you Mary above women. Because that is what they use in their creed. That is what the Catholics use. They use this to say that Mary is a blessed above woman. But that is not what the text says. The Bible says Mary is blessed amongst Woman, we need to understand this important, this important terms that is used in this text because this is where the idolatry came of Mary. This is where Mary was magnified, and we find this when we study the doctrine of Maryology. Hallelujah! This refers to the history and the teachings in Christian churches regarding the stages and the state, the status of the Virgin. Mary. Hallelujah. And we look at different types of things that they were discussing. We look at the perpetual virginity of Mary, meaning that even after Jesus was born, she remained a virgin and the children that she had was Joseph's children from somebody else. And that, that is some of the things that has been spoken about Mary. Hallelujah. Among the doctrines taught about Mary, another one that was widely accepted teaching was a perpetual virginity, virginity sorry, and popularly known phrase in the in the in the latin phrase was simple virgil or even virgin according to this doctor mary remained a virgin her entire life even after she gave birth to jesus and entered into a married relationship with joseph many objected this doctrine is not found in the gospels or in the new testament documents also counting against the doctrine is that there are a number of references throughout the bible where jesus brothers and sisters beginning with many of them and so they had this and then there was one the doctrine of assumption the doctrine of assumption yelled by many Christians but not found in the New Testament is the assumption of Mary in Eastern Orthodox circles this doctrine is often called Domitian this is the belief that that either before death or after death the Virgin Mary was assumed bodily into heaven after entering heaven Mary became the highest creature and crowned and was crowned by Christ as the queen of heaven in this role she makes intercession for believers we know this we find that this is amongst the the the, the Roman Catholic Church hallelujah the people pray to for Mary and Mary makes intercession for people that is just in a nutshell then we have the immaculate con conception this one is the one of the last doctrines that we find or the doctrine of assumption. I made the doctrine of assumption. I just mentioned they may have the immaculate conception. The immaculate conception, which is the last one that I found in my study, was there is a doctrine of the immaculate conception. This doctrine teaches teaches that from the moment of a conception, Mary was preserved from contracting original sin and therefore also did not commit any actual sins. This teaching is unique to the Roman Catholic Church, though it is believed as 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 as, as something that is not true by many. Angelicans, which is not true. Or in Catholicism, the teaching is significant because it gives Mary the sinless agency to fully cooperate in accepting a role as the mother of God. Some Catholic theologians even speak of Mary as offering up a son to the Father on the cross, much like the church participates in the atonement through the sacrifice of the Mass. To many, this also implies a role as a co-redemptrix. 
and co-mediatrix along with Christ. Nevertheless, at present, the Roman Catholic Church has not officially defined a role in such a manner in spite of some popular enthusiasm for such language. So we understand that many of these doctrines has been brought about because of Mary and and it has brought much confusion in the church. Today, I, Mary has been idolized, and we find it in nations and cities where they have idols and statues of Mary, and people would go and pray, and they would bow, and they believe they are forgiven, and they believe miracles take place at this, and that is idolatry. And therefore, in the wisdom of Jesus, Jesus did not take an instruction from Mary. At this moment, I believe Jesus waited on the Father to instruct him what to do. So the next thing we look at from verse 6 to 12 is when we read about Jesus again, the Bible now says there are six water pots, Jesus now, and as we read further from the beginning, our Lord's first miracle was not a spectacular, a spectacular event that everybody witnessed. Mary, the disciples and the servants knew what had happened, but nobody else at the feast had any idea that, that the miracle was taking place because the Bible says the host asked, why have you kept the best wine? for last. I'm just giving you a quick breakdown of what happened from 6 to, to 6 to 11. Each of the six water pots could contain about 20 gallons. However, we are not told that all of the available water in the jars turned into wine. Only that which the servant drew out and served was transformed into wine. The quality of this wine was so superior that the man in charge of the banquet highly praised it. And of course, the Groom's family passed in the glory of compliments. Hallelujah, because their lot has just been changed. It's like when a miracle takes place in your life, hallelujah, you pass in the compliments because what God has done for you, it is your time for a miracle. And remember, we always divert the glory back to Jesus Christ, hallelujah. Even though this guest did or this, this host did not know where it came from, but God is the miracle worker. Whenever miracles take place in our lives, we always give it back to God the glory, hallelujah. We understand that this was the beginning of miracles. Hallelujah. It was the beginning of miracles. And as I said earlier, this averts all those stories of Jesus having miracles when he was a child and making clay birds and causing life to go into them and people believing that. This was the first miracle. Hallelujah. There are many things that people wrote, superstitious things, but this miracle was the first. This miracle did something for his disciples. It revealed his glory. As they said in John chapter 1. Hallelujah and they gave them a stronger foundation of faith that is what miracles should do in our lives we should believe God more and more our relationship should be deepened every time God does something good for us we should grow in faith we should grow in assurance we should grow in confidence that is the result of miracles not today we find that people receive miracles and God they drift away from God you came to God you had no hope you had no desire nothing was going right then God breaks through in your life God comes through for you. You promise God you will serve him. You promise God you will give him your life. But the moment something happens and God comes through for you, that you were not qualified for something and this everything was against you and God broke through for you, where are you found? It's very important to understand that as we're going to study the book of John and as we study the Gospels, we find that Jesus did a lot of miracles in a city called Bethsaida and Capernaum. But we find that in the cities, they did not believe in Jesus. And the Bible says Jesus cursed these places. Jesus spoke curses over these places. Jesus said if this was done in Sodom, they would believe. But you have seen me do it and yet you have not believed. My God. My God, the thing that I want to know is, is a miracle going to be a witness against you at the day of judgment? 
because has God been so good to you that you cannot turn to God and serve God? We need to ask ourselves these questions. God has been so good to us. And how is it that we now, after God has been good to us, we, 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 we change the miracle into our, uh, into our, and we use this for our superiority. And we think that we have arrived and we think that we have done something. We could do nothing. God has done it all for us in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Though miracles alone are insufficient evidence for declaring Jesus to be the Son of God. Hallelujah. We understand that miracles after miracle should certainly convince us about Jesus' deity. And that's what it did. When Jesus said to Nathaniel, you will see greater things. You will see greater things than these, Nathaniel. Every miracle surely deepened their faith because I could see this because many of them died for Jesus. They were totally convinced. Even at the time when the Bible says, and we're going to do a study on that in the in the near future as we go through the book of John. The Bible says when everybody forsook Christ after he made a certain statements, the Bible says then Jesus asked a question, are you also going to forsake me? And Peter said, where shall we go? For you have the words of life. That is a man that has been transformed. We know that later on Peter denies Jesus, but Jesus still said to Peter, Cliphas, the rock, hallelujah. Jesus saw that Peter would come back and he would be a shaker for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. He was the first man to preach at Pentecost. I declare today, hallelujah, that miracles, signs, wonders will cause our relationship to go deeper with God. We will not forsake God. We will not depart from God, but we will go deeper with God in Jesus name. The disciples had to begin somewhere. Over the months, their faith deepened and deepened in the Lord as they saw the miracles happen more and more and more. Jesus saved this family from social embarrassment when this miracle took place. He saved them. He saved them. Hallelujah. So Jesus wants to save you. So God will save you. This time, this season is an hour for miracles. God will save us. God will show up for his children. God will show up for his church. God is going to show up for his people. Church, we should get ready and excited for what is about to happen hallelujah when we look at the gospel of john it's unlike the other gospels hallelujah it is unlike the other gospels and we're going to look into some of these things of what this miracle meant as i conclude we're just going to try to look at some of these things that if jesus had to preach a message concerning the water to wine what this miracle meant and we're also going to look at how Jesus had to use how human beings become instrumental in miracles. Hallelujah. This was Christ's first miracle. And in it, he shows us that God is pleased to use human as instruments in performing the wonders of his grace. The miracle consisted in the supplying of wine. As previously pointed out, wine symbolizes joy in God. Learn that the Lord is pleased to employ human agents in bringing joy to the hearts of men. And what was the element of Christ used on this occasion? It was producing the wine. It was water. Now the Bible says water in the word in Ephesians 5 verse 26 is the word of God. And how many we as his servants day after day bring the wine of joy unto human hearts when we minister the word of God. And how may we as servants today, servants of Christ command to fill those six empty water pots of stone with water might seem at times meaningless and foolish but we need to remain obedient and fellow workers in the miracles of god as people's lives are changed daily by salvation as the word of god transforms the lives of individuals
individuals. Let's remain faithful in the preaching of the gospel as the miracle of the water changes to wine, as hearts are being transformed in the name of Jesus Christ. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. We need to just be obedient to the wise of this world who put their trust in any other thing but God. It seems to us useless to go forth unto the wicked with nothing more with nothing more in our hand than a book which is called our Bible, which has been written almost 2,000 years ago. Hallelujah. Nevertheless, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. That is the estimate. This is what we do for God. Let's go forth with the water of life. Hallelujah. Obeying the commands of our Lord and he will use us to bring wine of divine joy to the hearts of many that are sad. Isn't that awesome? Glory be to God. Glory be to God. The hearts of men receiving the word of God. Lives are being transformed because we are bringing the water of the word. In conclusion, I just want to conclude this particular text with some of the things and the findings that I found as I studied the text. So just to give us some understanding in what was meant or what is meant. When we look at this miracle, which was referred to as a sign, we see that a sign is something that points beyond itself to something greater. It was not enough for people to believe in Jesus' works. They had to believe in him and in the Father who sent him. Hallelujah. This explains why Jesus often added a sermon to the miracle in that sermon interpreted the sign. In John 5, the healing of the paralytic on the Sabbath opened the way for a message on his deity, the Lord of the Sabbath. The feeding of the 5,000 in John 6 led naturally into the sermon on the bread of life. If our Lord had preached a sermon after he turned the water into wine, there are so many things that comes to mind of what he meant. What might have been said was, as I said earlier on in my, in my personal illustration, hallelujah, for what we look at here in this particular text, Jesus could have said, for one thing he likely would have told the people that the world's joy is always running out and cannot be regained, but the joy he gives us is ever new and ever satisfying hallelujah the world offers the best at first and then once you are hooked things starts to get worse but jesus continues to offer that which is best until one day we shall enjoy the finest blessing in the eternal kingdom but our lord our lord would certainly have a special message here for the people of israel too in the old testament the nation is pictured as the married to god and unfaithful to him in her marriage covenant the wine ran out and all israel had left were six empty water pots they yelled water of external washing but they could not purify nothing internally hallelujah they could not internally clean which did not bring joy in this miracle our lord brought fullness where there was emptiness joy where there was disappointment and something internal for there where there was nothing that external with external which could be done externally in Jesus mighty name hallelujah when we look at John John speaks about the third day the third day could also have given us the, the understanding of resurrection in all of these blessings are possible because of the sacrifice on the cross of his resurrection from the dead hallelujah when we look at this also we look at Moses Moses in his first miracle was 
Hallelujah. Moses' first miracle was a plague, turning water to blood, which speaks about judgment. Our Lord's first miracle spoke about grace. The miracle also presents a practical lesson in the service for God. The water turned into wine because the servants cooperated with Jesus and obeyed his commands. Several of the signs in John's gospel involves the cooperation of people and God. The feeding of the 5,000 when they had to bring the bread and the fish. The healing of the man born blind. He needed to go to the pool of Siloam to wash his eyes. The raising of the dead of Lazarus. They needed to remove the stone. When we pass out the bread, when we wash away the mud, when we roll away the stone, he will assist us in performing the miracle. It's significant that the servants knew the source of the special wine. When Jesus healed the nobleman's son, it was the servants who were in on the secret we are not just his servants but we are also his friends and we know what he is doing because the bible says he reveals his secrets unto his friends he also calls us friends now according to john 15 verse 15 wine was the normal drink of people in that day we must not use this miracle as an argument to become alcoholics hallelujah a man given to drink once said after all jesus turned water into wine then one man replied to him and said, If you use Jesus as your example for drinking, why don't you follow his example in everything else? That was a good response. I'm sure that knocked somebody's wind out. Hallelujah. Then we look at Luke 22 verse 18. This verse clearly states that in heaven now, Jesus is in preparation for when we will get there. Sincere Christians of our day consider such a verse as 1 Corinthians 8 and 9, 10, 23 and 31 before concluding that the use of alcoholic beverage is a wise thing today. I'm reminded of the story of a drunken coal miner who was converted and became a vocal witness for Christ. One of his friends tried to trap him by asking him, do you believe that Jesus turned water into wine? I certainly do. I believe, I certainly do. The believer replied, in my home, he has he has turned wine into furniture, decent clothes, and food for my children. That is an exciting illustration for somebody. Hallelujah. That God can turn that that we used on wine, that that destroyed our lives, that had messed up our lives, can now be turned. This sinner, this coal miner, was turned into a provider, was turned into a good father, was turned into one that God now look after his household because God transformed his life. God wants to transform your life today. There's miracles that God wants to do as we continue on in the book of John. I believe that we are in a season of miracles. We need to find out how we need to be instrumental in the miracles that God wants to do in our lives. What is God saying to us to do? Is God commanding us bring the five loaves and the two fish is god saying unto us hallelujah go and wash your eyes in the salon is god saying unto us something that we need to do roll the stone away even if there's a stench even if there's a smell is god instructing you to do something is god letting you in on the miracle remember we are friends god does not keep anything as a secret god wants to do great things remember god is getting ready to cause great great miracles to happen globally the church is about to see that hand of God, the power of God in action, in the name of Jesus, the greatest of all miracles, we're going to see in the book of John chapter 3, the greatest of all miracles is salvation, is the regeneration of the soul, that is when Jesus comes into our lives, when the Holy Spirit regenerates us, and we become new creations in Christ, that is the greatest miracle that you could ever experience, if you want that miracle in your life, say this, pray with me today, 
Now remember, I am letting you in on a prayer. The importance about this prayer is not just saying this prayer. The importance about this prayer is faith. When we say it, let's have faith. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I believe that you died for me and that you rose again. I believe that you are the son of God and that your precious blood washes away all my sins. I believe that I'm born again and that I'm a child of God. Today, I'm a new creation. I believe in the miracle of salvation in Jesus' mighty name. Come live in my heart, Lord, and make me over. God bless you. Thank you for joining us tonight in our breakthrough service. God is going to do great things in your life. Jesus revealed his glory unto his disciples, and they believed. I pray every miracle that Jesus does in your life, may you grow from glory to glory and from strength to strength. God bless you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.